Hello, this is R.J. Deacon, reading the Supreme Court of the United States Opinion Syllabus in Garland v. Ailman Gonzalez, certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit, argued January 11th, 2022, and decided June 13th, 2022. If you'd like to support the podcast, find the PayPal link in the show notes. Respondents are aliens who were detained by the federal government pursuant to 8 U.S.C. section 1231A6 of the Immigration and Nationality Act, INA. Respondents Esteban Ailman Gonzalez and Jose Eduardo Gutierrez Sanchez, the named plaintiffs in this case that bears Ailman Gonzalez's name, are natives and citizens of Mexico who were detained under section 1231A6 after re-entering the United States illegally. They filed a putative class action in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California, alleging that aliens detained under Section 1231A6 are entitled to bond hearings after six months' detention. The District Court certified a class of similarly situated plaintiffs and enjoined the government from detaining respondents and the class members pursuant to 1231A6 for more than 180 days without providing each a bond hearing. Um, and that's Below, that's Gonzalez versus Sessions. Um, a divided panel of the Ninth Circuit affirmed. Respondent Edwin Flores Tejada, the named plaintiff in the case that bears his name, is a native and citizen of El Salvador. He, likewise, re-entered the country illegally and was detained under 1231A6. He filed suit in the Western District of Washington, alleging that 1231A6 entitled him to a bond hearing. The district court certified a class, granted partial summary judgment against the government, entered a class-wide injunctive relief, and, um, yeah, a divided panel of the Ninth Circuit affirmed. That's uh, Flores Tejada versus Godfrey. This court granted certiorari and instructed the parties to brief the threshold uh, question whether the district courts had jurisdiction to entertain respondents' requests for class-wide injunctive relief under the Immigration and Nationality Act. The uh, Supreme Court held a decision is reversed and remanded and Justice Alito delivered. Section 1252 F1 of the INA deprived the district courts of jurisdiction to entertain respondents' requests for class-wide injunctive relief. Section 1252 F1 generally strips lower courts of jurisdiction or authority to enjoin or restrain the operation of certain provisions of the INA. The ordinary meaning of the terms enjoin and restrain bars the class-wide relief awarded by the two district courts here. When a court enjoins conduct, it issues an injunction, which is a judicial order that tells someone what to do or what not to do. Um, that's Nikon versus Holder. The court has suggested that restrain sometimes has a broad meaning that refers to judicial orders that inhibit particular actions, and at other times it has a narrower meaning that includes orders that stop or perhaps compel such acts. Uh, Direct Marketing Association versus Browell. In Section 1252 F1, the object of the verbs enjoin or restrain is the operation of certain provisions of the INA. 
provisions that charge the federal government with the implementation and enforcement of the immigration laws governing the inspection, apprehension, examination, and removal of aliens. See sections 1221 to 1232. Putting these terms together, section 1252 F1 generally prohibits lower courts from entering injunctions that order federal officials to take or refrain from taking actions to enforce, implement, or otherwise carry out the referenced INA statutory provisions. Section 1252 F1 includes one exception to this general prohibition. The lower courts retain the authority to enjoin or restrain the operation of the relevant statutory provisions with respect to the application of such provisions to an individual alien against whom proceedings under such part have been initiated. In Reno versus American uh, Arab Anti-Discrimination Commission, the court stated that Section 1252 F1 prohibits federal courts from granting class-wide injunctive relief, but does not extend to individual cases. Here, both district courts entered injunctions requiring the government to provide bond hearings, not only for respondents, but also for all other class members. Those orders enjoin or restrain the operation of Section 1231A6 because they require officials to take actions that, in the government's view, are not required by Section 1231A6, and to refrain from actions that, again, in the government's view, are allowed by Section 1231A6. Those injunctions thus interfere with the government's effort, efforts to operate Section 1231A6, and the injunctions do not fall within the exception for individualized relief because the injunctions were entered on behalf of an entire class of aliens. Respondents' two counterarguments fail. First, respondents contend that the operation of the covered immigration provisions means the operation of those provisions as properly interpreted, and that what Section 1252 F1 bars are class-wide injunctions that prohibit the government from doing what the statute allows or commands. The ordinary meaning of the language of Section 1252 F1 weighs against the respondent's interpretation. It is very common to refer to the unlawful or improper operation of something, and that is not apparent why the same cannot be said of a statute. The statutory context provides additional reasons to reject respondent's reading. Respondents next argue that Section 1252 F1 allows a class-wide relief so, uh, so long as all the class members are individuals who already face enforcement action. Um, but Section 1252 F1 refers to an individual, not individuals, and the court has repeatedly stated that it bars class-wide injunctive relief. See again, um, American Arab Anti-Discrimination Commission. Uh, respondents argue that absence of any express reference class actions in Section 1252 F in Section 1252 E1 suggests that no preclusion of class-wide relief was intended. The court is reluctant to give much weight to this negative inference. It is possible that Section 1252 F1 simply uses different language to bar class-wide injunctive relief but a literal reading of the provision could also rule out efforts to obtain any injunctive relief that applies to multiple named plaintiffs. The court has no occasion to adopt such an interpretation here. It is sufficient to hold that the class-wide injunctive relief awarded in these cases was unlawful. 
The decision below is reversed and remanded. Justice Alito delivered the opinion of the court, in which Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett joined. Justice Sotomayor filed an opinion concurring in the judgment in part and dissenting in part, in which Justice Kagan joined, and in which Justice Breyer joined as to parts 2A2, 2B2, and 3. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I can be reached at rhodesscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S, like the truck driving roads, and the number 80. Uh, and if you want to support, hit that PayPal link in the show.